Uh, this one can go. Thank you. Hallelujah. And he spake a parable unto them. Because I like the cold. But I'm cold. Are you cold or you're okay? You, you okay? You good. And he spake a parable unto them to this end. That men ought always to pray and not to faint. So Jesus gave a parable to encourage you and I to always pray and not faint. Not faint or not give up. Don't give up on what you are praying about and don't be wary of praying. So some people pray and at a point, I'm tired, I don't want to pray any longer. Or some people pray and at a point, they feel that God is not going to give them what they are looking for. But Jesus spoke a parable to explain to us that we should pray always and never give up on what we are praying about. Then verse 2. And the parable is this. There was a certain judge who did not fear God, neither did he regard man. And there was a certain widow who came to him, troubling him that he would avenge her. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that even though the, the, the right, unrighteous judge did not fear God nor regard man, he said to himself that because this widow cometh to me continuously, the widow keeps coming and coming and coming. So even though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Think about it. A judge who did not fear God and did not regard man, a widow who is supposed to be the lowest in terms of what they can do in society, meaning that the widow cannot help him in any way. The widow cannot even defend herself. So if a widow came to a man who did not fear God nor regard man, and the widow said, I want you to avenge me, the man said, I don't care about you. I don't need, I, I, I'm not going to even hear you. I don't, I, I, I don't even want to hear anything you have to say. So the Bible says that because she continued to come to him, every day coming, every day the widow will come to him and ask for vengeance. So the unrighteous judge said, because, even though I don't fear God and I don't regard man, because this widow keeps coming and coming and coming, she would worry me. So let me give her what she's looking for. Then what does verse 6 say? And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge saith." Then verse 7. And shall not God, if an unrighteous judge will give someone something because they keep coming, and shall not God avenge his own elect which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? And Jesus said, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on earth? So what Jesus is saying is that persistent prayer continuing to come to God for answered prayer is an act of faith. So it means that anytime you keep coming to God, God, I'm looking for this, then you keep coming. Lord, I'm looking for this. I'm going to keep coming to you. Give me the answer or you give me what I'm looking for. It is an act of faith. The more you come to God to ask him what you are looking for, it shows God that you have faith. I don't know if you're hearing what I'm saying. Because if you didn't have faith, you would not continue to go to God for it. Then we also talk about the fact that having faith in God is also another aspect. There's also another aspect of faith, which will be in Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Let's start from verse 22. We're going to 22 to 24. Now, there is a, um, a history behind that verse. The history of the verse is that Jesus was going to Jerusalem. And on his way to Jerusalem, he saw a fig tree. And that fig tree he saw... He could tell that there were leaves on the fig tree, but there were no figs. Hallelujah. So Jesus went, and when he saw the fig tree and saw leaves, let, let me start again. He saw leaves on the fig tree. Anytime there are leaves on the fig tree, there'll be figs. There'll be fruit on the fig tree. So Jesus went, and happily, he went so that he would enjoy some of the fruit because he was hungry. So when Jesus went to the fig tree and saw that the fig tree had no fruit, Jesus cursed the fig tree. Jesus said, no man eats fruit from thee hereafter forever. And the disciples heard him. Meaning that no one will eat fruit from you again. And the disciples heard him. How many are getting me so far? Then when the disciples heard him, he went to Jerusalem. He got angry uh, with the money changers because they were exploiting people and he whipped them out of the temple. Even Jesus whipped people with a cane and shouted very angry with them. He said, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then as they were coming by, Peter saw 
that the fig tree which Jesus cursed had withered away. But in Mark and Matthew give the same account. In Matthew, the Bible says that immediately the fig tree withered. So it means that as Jesus cursed the fig tree, it withered immediately. Then as they were coming, Peter calling to remembrance, go to verse 20. Peter calling to remembrance what Jesus said, said, Master, the fig tree which thou cursed has withered away. And then verse 11. You see, and in the morning, as they passed by, and Jesus answered, entering into, uh, entering into Jerusalem, Mark eleven twenty one. Did I say verse eleven? Okay, Mark eleven twenty one. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. Think about that. It's withered away. So Peter was saying that, wow, Jesus, you just cursed the fig tree and already is withered from the roots. Then Jesus answering, saith unto them, have faith in God. How many are getting me so far? So the first way you have faith in God is to persist in prayer. Continue to pray every day. Pray, pray, pray. Now the second way to have faith in God is what Jesus said. Have faith in God, verse 22. Now, how do you have faith in God? Two parts. Number one, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever, oh, glory to God, for whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he seeth shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he seeth. Now, this verse is saying that anyone who has a mountain, has a midnight hour, has a great circumstance affecting them, they can speak to a mountain and tell the mountain to move to the sea and the mountain will obey them. It means that if there's a literal mountain, if he was looking at a literal mountain, it wasn't a figure of speech. Jesus saw a physical, please stay on verse 23. Jesus saw a physical mountain. And told them that if you are able to tell this mountain to move to another place, but you do not doubt in your heart, the mountain will obey you. There's a movie, Little Boy, where he was able to move a mountain, something, one of the walls, by faith. Nobody believed him. The pastors, nobody believed him, but he said, I'm, the mountain will move. Hallelujah. Because Jesus said it. So I believe that if I don't doubt in my heart, and there's a mountain that is affecting people. There's a mountain that is troubling people. I can tell the mountain to move and it will move. I should be able to tell the mountain. You should be able to tell the mountain. Because the Bible, Jesus didn't say, the pastors who tell the mountain. He said, whosoever. Now, very good, important point. Now, someone will feel that this was for the apostles. This was for them of yesterday and yesteryear. Right? Because I, if there's a mountain, I can't move the mountain because it was for the apostles. But that's a lie of the devil. Why is it a lie of the devil? This same whosoever in Mark eleven twenty three, 23, when you go to John three sixteen, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. That same whosoever in John three sixteen, which means me, is the same whosoever in Mark eleven twenty three 23 also means me. So if John three sixteen 16, uh, whosoever means me, then Mark 11, chapter 23 also, uh, sorry, Mark chapter 11, verse 23 also means me. So it means that you and I, if we are able to speak to a circumstance, speak to a situation, we should be able to tell that situation to leave and never return, and it will obey us. Then verse 24 says, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. So it means that faith in Mark chapter 11 is in two parts. One is speaking out a confession, speaking to circumstances, and the circumstances obeying you. And another is praying, believing that you have it before you receive it. Because if I ask, I'll use you for example again. If I ask you for your pen and you give it to me, I say thank you because I've received it. Now, Jesus is telling us to say thank you and believe we've received before we have. Thank you. Because if you have it already, then what's the point of faith? Faith is complete when you have the results. When you ask God for a car and God gives you the car, do you need faith for the car? No. So you need to apply your faith by believing you've received before you have. Am I here? I, I, I don't know if you're hearing something. So now this verse 
Mark 11.23 means, if I pray that God heal me, I need deliverance, I need healing, or I need something. And it is clearly in the Bible that God has promised us all we need to do is walk in faith. Then, after asking God for it, I don't need to keep asking him for it because I believe I've received, verse 24, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So, God, thank you. Please heal me. You pray a very strong prayer for healing. After that, thank you, God. You've healed me. Thank you. You've healed me. God, I bless you. You've healed me. You still have the condition, but you had the condition. You still have the symptoms, but so far as you are concerned, you are healed. When were you healed? When you prayed? 2,000 years ago, you were healed. When God laid our sicknesses and sins on Jesus, and Jesus bore them for us. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Where is past tense? When were you healed? 2,000 years ago when our sins and sicknesses were laid on Jesus. And Jesus bore them for us. You can put your hands together for Jesus. There was a woman who was in a church. This is the late Dr. Yonggi Cho talked about, uh, preached about this, by true story. One of his church members had throat cancer. And she used to come to him, Pastor, pray for me. Pastor will pray for her. But the condition was still there. She couldn't talk. Pastor, pray for me. Pastor, pray for me. Then he'll pray for her, still asking for prayer. Pastor, pray for me. Still asking for prayer. Pastor, pray for me. Still asking for prayer. Nothing happening. And one day, he just told her, go to the prayer mountain. They had a prayer mountain. Go to the prayer mountain and say and confess and write down a thousand times. By his stripes, I was healed. Ten thousand, no, thousand or ten thousand, I think thousand times. Say it and write it and believe you've received. She did it a thousand times and it went to the pastor. Pastor, pastor, I finished, I finished. Oh, you can talk now. Completely healed of the cancer. Immediate healing. Because she believed she received. She believed she received. There was a man in the early 1900s, tuberculosis was a death sentence, like cancer, because there were no antibiotics in those days. So when you have tuberculosis, that's it. Even now, it's very, very well. You need about six months, a lot of, how many months? Six months or more of antibiotics to be completely free of TB. So, in those days, there was a man of God who contracted tuberculosis and was on his deathbed. No hope to live, no survivor. It's like cancer. Hemorrhaging from the lungs, meaning that blood from the lung coming out of the nose, the, 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 the mouth. I mean, he was on his way out. And he got so many people to pray for him. Many, many pastors prayed for him. The church prayed for him. He was still on his deathbed. And then the doctors told him, you know what? I want you to go to your family. There's no need to go to a hospice. Go to your family. Let them look after you. Be with loved ones as you die. That's, that's, that's a good, at least if you are not in your faith, that's a good way. I don't believe in that. I've tried to raise the dead three times in the hospital. Hallelujah. I can't let a church I just die like that. Even though, unfortunately, they didn't get up. But next time, they'll get up. Hey, I said next time. I went to the hospital. I went to the hospital. A young boy. No, a young girl. No, I, no, I think it started with a young boy. I said, get up. I called the spirit back to the body. The nurses were watching me like I was crazy. Maybe they thought I was crazy because the child still didn't get up. Then I, a woman who died of breast cancer, get up in Jesus' name. She didn't get up. But I also went to Mayo Clinic. There was a woman who was uh, no, breast cancer, metastasized, oxygen, uh, 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 um, uh, giving up for dead. The family members said there was no hope. She was on life support. I also did, did the same prayer, and she got up, and she was working at, after that. Hallelujah. It's just a dead. Why? Not just me. If you believe in me, the works that I do, you will do also in greater works. Hallelujah. And greater works. I said what? And greater works. So... Now, so, so what happened? 
we, so we talked about the fact that this woman was completely healed. Amen? Completely healed. Then we also began to talk about, what other example did I give you? I gave you uh, Yongicho's story, how she was completely healed. Amen? Then there was also another woman. No, which, where, where, where did I get to? How many? I want to see if you remember. I was talking about a story. Good. Hemorrhaging in the lungs. Then I'll tell you another one about uh, Kenneth Hagen. Amen? So hemorrhaging in the, from the lungs. No hope. So he went to the hospice and got so many to pe people to pray for him. But he was still dying. As he was dying, he asked himself, what should I do? Many people have prayed for me. Many of the pastors who are, uh, have been praying for people with cancer and all these things who have been healed have prayed for me and no results. What should I do? So he said to himself, the Bible says in Mark chapter 11, verse 24, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So I'm going to believe God that I've received my healing even though I'm still hemorrhaging in the lungs, even though I'm still weak, even though I cannot speak, even though I'm bed fast, he couldn't even get out of bed. So the Bible says, I said the Bible, then he started to say, Lord, I thank you. Thank you for my healing. I bless you. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for healing me. Lord, I thank you. He couldn't even move. I thank you for healing me. Then he said, I'm going to go far away, in the, in the, in, somewhere in the bush, and I'm going to continue to ask God. So he crawled. I'm going to continue to ask God to heal me or to thank God for healing me. I'm going to crawl till I get to that place. Hallelujah. And once I get to that place, if God doesn't heal me, I'll die and the buzzards will lead them to me. Because if you are dead, your, the body will, will decay and the, the buzzards will lead them to him. So to him, to, sorry, the family members to him. So the Bible says that he began to pray and to thank God. God, I thank you. He didn't pray that God heal me. Lord, I thank you for healing. Thank you for healing me. I bless you for healing me. Thank you until he began to shout. He was totally healed because he was thanking God and believed he received. I thought you put your hands together for Jesus. Then there was also, so these are proofs that believe you received works. Because Jesus said it. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive it and you will have it. Then there was a pastor who organized a pastor's convention. And Kenneth Hagen went to this pastor's convention, a large pastor's convention full of pastors. When he went there, as they were worshiping, someone told them that the pastor or one of the, the pastors was sick. As he was on his way there to the convention, he fell sick and he's on his deathbed and ready to die, about to die. So they called Raymond T. Ritchie who was someone who was a faith man, to pray for him. So he organized all the pastors. Let's pray for this man. So they all raised up their voices and prayed for him. I don't know whether his brother starts, one of these guys. But they prayed for him, all the pastors. And he said after that, now let's thank God. So they all thanked God. All thanked God for healing. Can you put this one up, please? Thank you. Let's thank God for healing. So they all thanked God for healing him. Then he handed the mic over to the worship leader. When he was about to go down, he thought to himself, okay, let me come up and ask, how many of you pastors are going to continue to pray for him? About 90% of them lifted their hands and said, what are you going to pray for? You've already asked God to heal. What are you praying for? You've, didn't you thank God? Didn't we thank God? Why are you asking God to heal? Rather, praise him for healing. Rather, praise him for healing. Jesus gave us three ways to show our faith. Number one, Persist in prayer till God gives it to you. Number two, confess and declare that what you want is what will happen and it will happen. Number three, believe that you've received. You pray once and you thank God for it. Now, which one do you use? At which time? I have the answer. It's just another message when I'm preaching on faith. Hallelujah. I thought you put your hands together for the Lord. The prayer of faith. So we began to talk about the principles Daniel used for prayer. Strategies for prayer. What were Daniel's strategies for prayer that made Daniel so great? Now, Daniel is an example for you and I. Daniel was almost like a lay pastor. He was a prophet and he was a lay pastor. What do I mean by a lay pastor? A tent uh, pastor. A pastor who works full-time and also 
pastors a church. That's what, that's what I am. Hallelujah. I work full time and I don't get any salary from the church because my salary comes from Jesus. Hallelujah. So that was Daniel. I don't think that as he was prophesying to people, they were paying him. Hallelujah. Of course, if you, the Bible says, they that live of the, they that preach the gospel must live of it. Hallelujah. But so Daniel was someone who was a tent maker, someone who, who, who worked in the secular realm and also was a prophet. How I many are getting me so far? That was Daniel. Now, Daniel was someone who was a captive in Babylon, was one of the lowest in society, even though he was from the royal family. And the Bible says that as he was a captive, he, was, he became second in command in the Babylonian Empire. The first world empire to exist on earth was the Babylonian Empire by Nebuchadnezzar, and Daniel was second in command because he was able to interpret the dream, tell the dream and interpret it. Then the Bible says that uh, 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 Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, Belshazzar, also made Daniel second in command. Then the Medes and the Persians came together and overthrew the Babylonian Empire, and Daniel was made first out of the three princes who governed the 120, sorry, the three presidents who, which governed the 120 princes, which governed the Persian Empire. And the Persian Empire included Babylon and a, a vast area. So think about it. One Daniel was second in command to the king and the, uh, the Babylonian Empire, and then second to the king in another regime, and then the enemy uh, 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 regime. He was second in command. What made Daniel so successful? What made Daniel so successful that he was both a prophet and a politician, and yet he was able to thrive as a politician and thrive as a prophet? What made him that great? The answer is coming. The first way Daniel became great was because he was a man of prayer. The Bible says that Daniel prayed every day three times a day. Look at Daniel chapter 6 verse 10. Three times a day Daniel prayed. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Meaning that as he did on a regular basis. Look at this in NLT. Very, very important. New Living Translation. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room, as usual, with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. So Daniel had a consistent prayer life. Daniel was a man who prayed all the time. He prayed every day, three times a day. Even when he was faced with death, he would still pray. But many Christians, unfortunately, even when they are not faced with death, but they are encouraged, they won't pray. May we be people who pray all the time. All the time. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Pray all the time. In all things, we must give thanks to God. We must pray. Thanksgiving is one of the highest forms of prayer. The prayer of thanksgiving. Sometimes you and I just need to just thank God and bless him and not ask him for a word. Because there are times that even my children, even though I know what they need, just the fact that they'll be nice to me and hang around me, I'll just give it to them before they ask. True or false? <laughs> I'm afraid to ask the little one. True or false? No comment. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so how much more, God? You and I, when we are thankful to God, when we are praising God, when we are worshiping God, when God sees that we love him, when God sees that we always want to be around him, 
he will give us all the things we're looking for. Phoebe, come, let me use you as an example. Can I have, no, remove the jacket. Can I have a bag? Can you hold the mic so that people can hear? Can I have another bag? Or maybe take your mother's bag. Now this is, uh, so make, to try to make sure I can, they can hear me. Put, put, no, put, yeah. So this is how God feels. Now she represents all Christians. So you can go. And no, you go far. Now imagine a father coming from the airport with gifts for the children. Now the father is coming, as they are running to him. Think, remember, wait. You run to me, but grab the bags. As they are running to him, watch what happens. Hey! So I'm hugging her, but instead of she hugging me, she grabs the bags. So I want to hug her, but she is looking for the bags. You and I must not be like the Christians who are looking for the blessings more than the blesser. Let God know that as for blessings, I want them, but they are nothing compared to you. You are my heart's desire. So when we are singing, as the deer panted for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. You alone are my heart's desire, and yet you grab the gifts. You alone are my strength, my shield. That's how David was. That's how David loved God. That's why the Bible says that at the point came that God gave David rest on every side. David stopped fighting and enjoyed his life at the point. There were no fights. He had done all the fighting. Just like you and I have to do all the fighting, stand strong, and God will give you and I rest. Because as for God, he knew that David... He, God alone was his strength and shield. God told Abraham, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. May, may you and I see God as our shield, our shield, our exceedingly great reward. May, may we see him as our only desire. If God gave us a choice to have a million dollars or to just have a deep, intimate relationship with him. Christian Seminar A. Get free, get loose service. Breakthrough service. Seminar B. Get rich guarantee service. Seminar C. Get intimate with God service. I can guarantee you, maybe you and I will be different, but the majority of Christians, if you, you, you broadcast it and Christians come, these two will be packed to capacity and very few will be in this one. That is a sure guarantee. Because people are not interested in an intimate relationship with God. People are looking rather for what they can get from God. But Daniel was not like that. That's why even when it would have cost him his life, he said, I am going to open the windows towards Jerusalem. Because in those days, that's how they prayed. Open the windows towards Jerusalem. And I'm going to look to God. And I'm, if they will see me because the windows are open. And I'm going to kneel down and pray three times a day. You and I must get to the point where God knows. When the angels are watching us worship, some angels are like, ah, my goodness, these people. What are they doing? What are they saying? You alone are my heart's desire. What, what are they talking about? Jesus said, these people honor me and worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. What are they doing? Look at their actions. When do they, I mean, look at their actions. Even if they are not able to pray, do they think about me? Do, do, do they desire to be in my presence? Even though maybe circumstances might be affecting them and they are busy, do, what is their heart saying? Is their heart saying they want me? And some angels are saying, yes, cheer on. Yes, worship on. Worship on. Yes, God is enjoying it because you are worshiping in spirit and in truth. 
as you are worshiping or I'm worshiping God, it is for real because my actions are proving what I am saying. Anytime I'm worshiping and I'm singing, you alone are my strength, my shield. You alone are my heart's desire. I ask myself, is that how I feel? If it's not how I feel, as I'm praying, as I'm singing, I tell God, God, make it that my portion. Make me this way. I don't automatically say I am. There are certain songs that I don't accept. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. I'll sing it, but I don't want to see him very soon until he's coming. When he's coming, it's only when he comes, I want to see him. Because there's a blessing for those who are eagerly awaiting his appearing. So I want that blessing. So I'm eagerly awaiting his appearing, but I'm not ready to die until I'm very old. So the soon and very soon, I don't accept it. Hallelujah. But hallelujah, hallelujah, I accept that. Then we are going to see the king. I accept that because we'll see the king one day, but not soon and very soon. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. So let's believe what we are singing. When we are praying, let's believe it. Because there are times that worship and praise is better than the, the things we are going to ask God for. I love the times where I'll just worship and praise God and then just cry. It's, I love it when I cry in, in worship, especially at home. When I don't cry in worship, I'm, I'm, I'm not happy about it. Because I have to be intimate towards God. I, I need to be bare. I need to be I, I need to be vulnerable, open to the Lord. I, I, I need to be, it needs to be an intimate, deep, intimate relationship. Deep and intimate. That's what God likes. And you realize that you're not asking for anything and he'll give it to you. You, you need to ask him for things. I said you and I will not need to ask him for things. He will be giving us the things that we want. And when he gives us the things that we want, like Daniel became second in command, then he will test us or he will allow us to go through a test. When God tests us, it's to prove us. But God does not tempt us. It's the devil who tempts us to discredit us. But when God tests us, it's to prove us. So Daniel was tested. How? He was given a high position. Now let's see whether you will not pray because of your blessing. You are now second in command to the Persian Empire. You are, the, the Bible says the 120 princes governed the Persian Empire. And after the 120 princes, three presidents governed them and Daniel was first. So they were very jealous. Because how can a foreigner who we've overthrown, how can one of the cabinets, the second in command, how can he be over us when we overthrew his, 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 his kingdom? So they were very, very jealous of him. But yet... Daniel did not let that affect his prayer. So you and I, no matter what happens, God will always test our loyalty to him. You and I must be loyal to God. That's why when Daniel was faced with death in the den of the lions, or the lion's den, or the den of lions, when he was faced with death, he told the king that, look, there was no harm because there was innocency found in me. I was faithful and loyal to God. May you and I be faithful and loyal to God. One of my deep prayers is that, Lord, even though I love anointing, I love power, all this. When I say power, I don't mean my power, his power. I want, if I have to choose one, and I've asked myself, or I believe God has asked me many times, I want your, your intimacy with you. That one can wait. I want intimacy with you. That's more important. Because when I'm intimate with you, it's the best. Daniel had an excellent spirit. Look at how he wrote the, 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 uh, the Revelation is a sequel to Daniel. Look at the book he wrote. Now look at John the Revelator. He was the closest to Jesus. I said what? He was the closest to Jesus. That's why he couldn't die. That's why the other apostles were martyred. They put him in boiling oil. He could not die. So he was banished to the Isle of Patmos where he wrote the Revelation. That's, that's, that's the kind of person we are talking about. John was so close to Jesus. He rested his head on Jesus' shoulders. He was close. He, he referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Peter was the wild guy. 
I like Peter, but I prefer John. I like the intimate, the closeness with Jesus. I like that more. If I have to choose, I'll choose John any day. Out of the disciples. That's why when Jesus was, had risen from the dead and he was going, as he was walking away, Peter was following him. Jesus said, come. John and the others were behind. Then Jesus said, when you are, when you are young, you will go where you want to go. But when you become older, you, will be, you, you cannot control where you are going. You'll be guided and you'll be taken where you don't want to go. Talking about the way he'll die. The way he'll glorify Jesus. Then Peter said, what about John? Because we all know he's your favorite. What about John? Jesus said, even if I say that John will tarry till I come, what does that have to do with you? Just do what I told you to do. I want to be the one who people are jealous of. Hey, I said, and you also should be the one people are jealous of. It's okay for people to be jealous of you. The Bible says that when the spirit of the Lord comes upon Saul, when he became king, people would eye him. People would be envious of him. The Bible says that David, when God promoted him, then Saul eyed him. So when God blesses you and you are not eyed, then it means that there's more, I mean, you have not gotten to the place you need to be. People will eye you. I see people eyeing you and I. Amen. At least the Bible way. When God blesses you. Why would God prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies? What will our enemies be doing as we are eating on the table? The enemies will be eyeing us. But there's a hedge of protection around the table. And when we are talking about faith, we're talking about the table. What are on the table? What, what, what does the children's bread mean? What do you think? What were the principles? Number one, prayer is very important. Daniel saw prayer as very important. You and I must see prayer as very important. If you and I don't see prayer as important, we will not pray every day. Because just like all, all of us are the same, it is not easy to find the time to pray. Or is it just me? It's not easy to find the time to pray, but we have to find the time. For me, it is critical. It is, it is like a life source. I have to pray. Even if it means sleeping three hours, I have to pray. Because I need my source. I need my life. If the Son of God, who was in heaven, came down from heaven, and he was anointed without measure, and he needed to pray every day. The Bible says, uh, rising up a great while before day, he went to a solitary place and there prayed. The Bible says, Jesus praying all night long. Jesus prayed. Every day he prayed. How much more you and I? If God needed to pray. When you pray a lot, at, you see, when you pray a lot, you, you will not need to have prayer meetings when the sick are there. You and I were in, at, on outreach downtown. And there was a man, two people, a man who was deaf, could not hear in one ear. Another lady who could not hear in one ear. Downtown Dallas. Because the prayer was done at home. When I, after salvation... Do you want to be healed? The person said, yes. Did I have a prayer meeting? Let's hold on. Is that what I did? No. I said, in Jesus' name, your ears are open. One, two, three. That was it. The ears were open. Immediately, downtown, twice. But yes, we are thanking Jesus. Oh, let's clap for Jesus. Because I didn't do it. If I did it, I would have gone to... If I could do it, I would go to all the stroke wards. Because my uncle said, oh, this miracle, pastors who say miracles... I'm a doctor. Let's go to the wards and, and clear the stroke patients. <laughs> yeah, we will do that. Hallelujah. We'll go, to the, we'll go to the wards. We are actually trying to get into some of the clinics. Why not? It's not for us. It's for Jesus' glory. When they are healed, isn't Jesus the one going to be glorified? But you see that the prayers were done at home. That's why when Peter... Fasting his eyes on the man who was lame. He was always carried daily to the gate called Beautiful. 
every day, they will carry him to the gate called Beautiful, in front of the gate called Beautiful, to ask for alms. What did this mean? It means that Jesus passed by him all the time, but didn't heal him. Because Jesus was waiting for the apostles to heal him. Because the Bible says he was laid daily at the gate called Beautiful, in front of the gate called Beautiful. Then, as Peter and John were passing by, Peter fixed his eyes on him. The man expected alms. He was paralyzed from the waist down or paralyzed. Then Peter told him, silver and gold I do not have, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he leaped up and walked. Was there a prayer session? Where is the prayer session there? No. Because when you've done your prayer, there's no need for a prayer session. When you've done your prayer, then the Mark chapter 11 verse 23, you can speak to circumstances. Yeah. And he leaping up stood and walked. You speak to circumstances. That's why many times in the crusades, there's no laying on of hands at all. We only lay hands to thank God after the healing has occurred. It's speaking out, commanding the infirmities to leave. Hallelujah. Because the prayer has been done. It's not just for me. It's not just for pastors. It's for every Christian. This is for every Christian. Every Christian. I was preaching in Minneapolis about, uh, on, on the authority of the believer. As I was preaching uh, on the authority of the believer, which, I mean, it's, it's a very, we'll, we'll talk about it. There's a lot to cover. But the authority of the believer talks about the fact that all the power of the universe has been delegated to us, and we have authority, and the greatest power of the universe is backing us. What is authority? Delegated power. Authority is delegated power. You and I don't have power. We have delegated power. So when you and I speak, the greatest power of the universe is backing what we are saying. There are many policemen that Joel can beat. Easily. But when they stop you, you have to stop. Because if you are not careful and you beat them or you resist them, other reinforcements, the mayor is backing, the governor is backing, the president is backing, and eventually God is backing. Because all authority is ordained of God. You don't have to follow the things they, do against, they tell you to do against God like Nero was telling them to, to denounce Christ. But all authority, you know, that's a different thing altogether. Hallelujah. So you see that because of the, of the, the power backing the police, you have to submit. In the same way, because of the power backing you and I, every principality demon has to give way. And remember, we talked about it during the half night about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 8, and then Ephesians chapter 1 from verse uh, 18 to 24, 23, which talks about the fact that they are all under our feet. All under our feet. If something's under my feet and my spiritual, spiritual position is at God, God's right hand, glory, it's at God's right hand. Why should a principality get me? How can I see the witch from my father's, whatever, my mother's uh, hometown? has taken control of my life when they are under our feet. Their leaders are under our feet. <clears throat> Look at this in NLT. The Bible says, let me just quickly quote it. So Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 4 to 8, the Bible says, when we're dead in our sins and trespasses, God raised us up together with Christ. So when Christ was being raised from the dead, you and I were also being raised from the deadness of our sins to life. So as Christ was being raised from the dead, you and I were raised up together with him and God caused you and I to sit together with Jesus Christ in heavenly places. How many are getting that? That's Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 to 8. Was that clear? <clears throat> so it means that the Bible is saying that spiritually, when as we were unbelievers, when we became Christians, the process was that Whilst Jesus died, and uh, Jesus died, and when God was raising Jesus from the dead, you and I, 2,000 years ago, our spiritual position was also being raised together with Christ. 
and we're caused to sit together with Christ in heavenly places. That's it here. Ephesians 2, 5. That even while we were dead because of our sins, we, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's special favor that we are saved. Verse 6. For he raised us <clears throat> from the dead along with Christ. And we are seated with him in the heavenly realms all because we are one with Christ Jesus. Then when you look at Ephesians chapter 1, the Bible says that, that he will grant, I think it's from verse 17, that he will grant unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of him, that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened. <clears throat> Use King James. The eyes of our understanding will be enlightened so that we will know the hope to which he has called us and the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Please, uh, for, catch up with me, please. This will be like verse 20 now. <clears throat> and what is the exceeding, verse 19, uh, sorry, verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand. So remember, as he was setting him at his own right hand, we were also being set with him at his own right hand. Far above all principality. Far above all principality. And power. And might. And dominion. And every name that is named. Now before you get here, Ephesians 6, 12 says we are fighting against principalities and powers. So we, have, so we are far above principalities, powers, and things higher than them. Who glory did you get that far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come and hath placed all things under his feet glory and gave him to be the head of all things to the church let's nlt explain what to the church means oh hallelujah and God had put all things under the authority of Christ. And he gave him this authority for the benefit of the church. How can... Oh, put your hands together for the Lord. <clears throat> How can the creator need authority? How can the creator of the universe need authority for what? No. Adam lost the authority. He regained the authority. And because he regained the authority, if he is the head, we are the body. Then... They are all under our feet. If he is far above them, and I'm the toe, I'm far above them. So when I pray, it works. Who, glory, did you get that? I said, when I pray, it works. I said, when I pray, it works. So how can I say that some occultic person has gotten, is chaining me and I don't have control? <clears throat> when the occultic person is under my uh, his leader is under my feet. I thought you put your hands together for the Lord. <clears throat> Many Christians know it in saying, in 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 just in 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 the head. Many Christians know it in the mind, but faith is not of the mind, but of the heart. Faith is of the heart, not the mind. Hope is of the mind. Faith is of the heart. We'll talk about faith very shortly. Hallelujah. So many Christians know it in the mind. But it's not entered into the heart. That's why it doesn't always work. I'll give you an example. When I was younger, I, I used to watch uh, uh, Friday Night, all these horror movies when I was younger. I was not a Christian then. So Christians don't need to get themselves into these horror movies and start being afraid at night. Hallelujah. Because what you watch, what you see, can affect you. So I'm just using this as an illustration. It doesn't mean you should go and watch vampire movies. <clears throat> but there was a vampire movie I was watching when I was young. And we have the vampire killer. And we have his apprentice who he was teaching the ropes. Then we have, in those days, when you have a vampire, <clears throat> When the vampire bites someone and makes them into a vampire, if the vampire dies, they all die. If the lead vampire dies, then those he bit will all die. Okay. <clears throat> so the apprentice was there once when the lead vampire was out there ready to kill some people. Then the leader 
brought the cross because the vampire, garlic, and the cross and sunlight, no hope. <laughs> so the, 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 the leader brought the cross in front of the vampire and the vampire ran out. He, you know, he actually jumped out the window because he was afraid. That was when the lead killer did that. Now the apprentice one day was with him and they went to kill vampires. Now the apprentice saw the lead vampire. Actually, he saw the junior vampires, brought the cross, and they ran. When the junior, are you getting me so far? When the junior apprentice saw the lead vampire, brought the cross to him, the lead vampire laughed at him and bent the cross in his hands. He was shocked. How? He asked the main guy, the killer, why, why, why couldn't I do this to the... Why couldn't I stand against the, uh, uh, the cross stand against the, the lead vampire? I saw you do it. He said you didn't have faith. So many Christians get the word, but because they don't have faith in the word, it doesn't work for them. I thought you put your hands together for Jesus. Because many Christians, they don't believe the word in their hearts, but they believe it with their minds. But for you and I to get the word from our minds to our hearts, we must repetitively listen to it over and over. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God over and over and over and over and over again. Take, that's why the woman, by his stripes, I was healed. She, she wrote it down, uh, repeated it over and over and over again. thousand times it moved from the mind to the heart. Because you get something to move from the mind to the heart when it's repetitive. That's why the Bible says, meditate upon the word day and night. Always listen, read, listen, read, listen, read. If there's a message that you need, listen to it over and over and over again. If there's a verse of scripture that is important to you and you need, over and over and over and over again. And you see that faith comes. And when you ask God for anything, he gives it to you. Because prayer is very important. But many people don't see the significance of prayer because they don't get what they are looking for all the time. Because they are not asking in faith. One more verse and then we'll continue next week, God willing. Look at James chapter 1. Let's start from verse 4. Let's use NLT for this. But let patience have a perfect work. Okay, verse 5. <clears throat> if you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him. And he will gladly tell you he will not resent your asking. But when you ask him, be sure that you really expect him to answer. For a doubtful mind is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. People like that should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. I think that's pretty clear. Let's, lose, use, let's look at verse 5 to 7 in King James. If any of you lack wisdom, let them ask of God that give it to me, all men liberally and abrilliant not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed Driven with the wind and tossed, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So God wants us to be people of faith. God wants us to believe his word. Imagine you promise someone something and the person is always doubting. Are you sure you do it? Are you sure you do it? Will you really do it? At a point you, you, you say to yourself, come on. What do I need to do to prove it? What, what else do I need to do? I have told you I'll do it. I have proved it by saving you. I have proved it by sending Jesus. I have proved it by all the miracles in the Bible. I have even proved it by some of the testimonies people have. What more do you want from me? That's how God feels. That's what the Bible says. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. But there's some good news. There's a difference between doubting the mind and doubting the heart. You can doubt in a mind, no problem there. You still get guaranteed answered prayer, but doubting in the heart is where the problem is. That's why Mark eleven twenty three 23 says that, for whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. 
So doubting is in the heart is where the problem is. May you and I never doubt in our hearts. In Jesus' name. As for the mind, you can't control what enters your mind. What do you think? So prayer is very, very important. How many believe that? So don't let anything take prayer from you. Don't let anything affect your prayer life. From today, say to yourself that as for prayer, no matter what, I will pray always. I will never stop praying. Every day I'll pray. I'll pray to God. Every day I'll pray. And God will bless you. Shall we stand to our feet? And let's speak to Jesus. And let's ask the Lord to grant us more grace. More of his grace. Amen. More of his grace. Ask him for grace to pray. May I be a person of prayer. May I be a person of prayer. Make me a man of prayer, a woman of prayer. I need to be a man of prayer. I need to be a woman of prayer. Give me the spirit of prayer, the heart of prayer, to be a person who prays on a regular basis. In the name of Jesus. Whilst we are praying, if you are watching or you are here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you know in your heart that you are not born again or you don't even know what it means to be born again, if you know in your heart that you are not saved, Jesus Christ is not your Lord. If you know that if you die today, you do not know whether you go to heaven or hell. If you know that you are far away from God, but you want Jesus Christ to save you. You want Jesus Christ to be your Lord. You want Jesus Christ to, to, to be your master, your, your savior. Then I want you to raise your hands. If you are here, you are watching, you are on Zoom, just raise your hands and I will pray with you. Now let's all repeat after me. Heavenly Father. I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I confess, I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe, I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that his blood was shed for my sins. I believe that God raised him from the dead. That God raised him from the dead. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Please come into my heart. Please come into my heart. Please come into my life. Please come into my life. Forgive me. Forgive me. For all my sins. For all my sins. Cleanse me. Cleanse me. From all unrighteousness. From all unrighteousness. From today. I belong to Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. And those who have given their lives to Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to be in church. I want to encourage you to, 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 to just send a comment and let us know that you gave your life to Jesus Christ. God bless you. We may take our seats. It's, it's now blessing time. Offering time, blessing time. If you have your tithe, your first and best. What is tithe? What is first and best? 10% of your increase is our tithe. You can give it to the Lord and the Lord will bless you. These are the ways to give. Text to give or PayPal. ChristReveal21 at gmail.com or Zell, ChristReveal21 at gmail.com or you can scan me or scan here and it will take you where you need to go. Hallelujah. Let's, uh, yeah, so you can just either or you can um, receive the, 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 
basket, the offering basket, and uh, put whatever you need to put in, hallelujah, to glorify God. The Bible says, honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruit of all your increase. And of course, those uh, on Zell, sorry, those on Zoom can just give, uh, uh, use the um, ways to give, to give. Father God, bless our tithe. Bless us. Thank you for the blessings you've already given to us. May we be recipients of them. Bless our offering and our tithe in Jesus' name. Amen. Give and it will come back to you. Good measure, press down, shaking together and running over and give. And it will come back to you. When you give, you give to the Lord. Come on and give. Give, and it will come back to you. Good measure, press down, shaking together and running over and give, and it will come back to you. When you give, you give to the Lord. Come on and give, give, and it will come back to you. Good measure, press down, shaking together and running over. Will come back to you when you give, you give to the Lord. Father God, bless our offering and our tithe. Use it to feather your kingdom, use it to win more souls, use, use it to establish more people in the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, just before we continue, we have a one minute clip, one minute, 11 seconds to be precise. Clip, we are going to. Some, well, we are going to Ghana in November next month to have a crusade, miracle crusade. In uh, okay, let 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 let, let it end. Uh, I don't like saying these things, especially where we are going. Uh, God bless you all on social media. God bless you online, give, uh, viewers. Till next time, shalom, shalom. God bless you. Let me know when it's done, please. <clears throat>